This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
He's alive. You know, what, what can I say and to, to really surpass that I can't? And, you know, sometimes pastors on, on Easter, we, we come and we think, well, we need to kind of flex, you know what I mean, and, and, and show off. And, and uh, you know what, that's not going to happen this morning for a couple of reasons. One, I don't have anything to show off. And uh, number two, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's the fact that He's alive. He's risen. Let's just uh, still our hearts and ask God to help us as we move, move into the study of the Word. Lord, we thank You that You are alive. And thank You that, God, it's not about us this morning. Sometimes we come to church on Easter and we think, well, we want to really impress people. But it's not about us. It's not about us It's about the fact that Jesus is alive. He's risen. There was a Friday crucifixion, but praise God, there was a Sunday resurrection. And that's what brings us together here. It's not that we've come to be entertained. It's not any about about any of that stuff, but it's about that Jesus is alive. And Lord, we thank you that we have a message of hope today. And as we open your word, I pray that your word would just speak to us. Lord, I believe there's something in your word for all of us today. And uh, let us leave here just full of the presence of God. Anoint your word today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 24 will provide the foundation for our thoughts. <clears throat> and, and to get us moving in, in the direction of our lesson, I want you to just take a couple of moments and think about your week. Uh, think about the good, the, the bad, the ugly. And I want to ask you this question. Did you, did you see God in any part of your week? And I don't mean this in a weird way where you had a vision or where you thought, you know, you actually saw the form of God walking down the street or anything like that. But, but did you see God? Did you sense God throughout your week you know for example did you see him in your kids laughter did you see him through even the harsh words that might have been spoken to you at work were were you able to see him through the terminal illness that your family member has did you see him through the boring and the mundane tasks you do around the house did you see god this past week and probably most of us would say well joe that's silly you know i I was too busy to stop and try to analyze everything that happened uh, to me and and to look for god and and i understand that but but here's what you need to know even though you might not have seen god in your week he was there he was there walking with you when things were good He was there walking with you when things were bad. He was there when someone hurt your feelings or your co-worker was a jerk. He was there. He was there when the pain in your body was almost more than you could bear. He he was there when you felt sorry for yourself because it, it seemed that, you know, seems that right now for you life stinks. 
And this is a little bit of a sobering thought, but, but he was even there when you said that bad word. He was there when you committed that quote-unquote secret sin. He was there when you went to that website to look at pornography. You might not have seen him, but he was there. Unfortunately, many times when it comes to God, as, as well as when it comes to other things, we tend to overlook the obvious. You know, we fail to see those things that sometimes are right in front of our nose. You know, on the lighter side, not too long ago, I got out a pair of socks to wear for the day. And so after I took my shower, I was probably trying to multitask and I had done several things. But when it came time for me to put on my socks, I couldn't find them. And, and I looked high and low, and I, I, I wandered from the bathroom, clear into the kitchen, and in between looking for my socks. And, the, and I finally asked, and maybe, maybe even accused Faith of, of taking them. But she said she hadn't. And so I went to my drawer, got out another pair of socks, and, and, and I sat down to put them on. And, and when I lifted up my foot to put on my sock, you guessed it, I realized the socks were on my feet. Now, I know what you're thinking. You, you, you're, you're thinking that's a sign of, of getting old, but that's not true. That's a sign of an extremely brilliant mind that's focused on other more important projects. You swallowed that one, didn't you? Looking back on this, I thought, how could I have missed the obvious? You know, another example, this past Monday, I went into the garage and there was this horrendous smell of death. And now, I immediately, immediately thought, well, a mouse had died, but I didn't think that a little dead mouse would be able to produce such a terrible smell. So Faith and I began tearing the garage apart, and this was this past Monday. We moved cabinets, moved the freezer, moved boxes and junk, and we still couldn't find the source of the smell. And so we gave up uh, until the next time we went through the garage. And the smell overwhelmed us again, so we tore things apart again. And, and uh, you, you know my feelings about, about cats. You know, I believe cats are part of the satanic trinity. Um, but, but anyway, the smell was so intense that I wouldn't have put it past some of you to put a dead cat in my garage. Well, after looking everywhere multiple times, I finally decided to follow my nose. So I followed my nose right to the grill of my truck. And there in the grill was not one, but two birds that had found their way in. Now, I know what you think. You think that your pastor was speeding, but you, you really know me better than that. I'm a law-abiding citizen, and, and with highway patrolmen in this church and sheriff's deputies, and the fact that, you know, when you get a little citation, you know, it gets your name in the paper. I work hard to really keep my name out of the paper. And so, you know, it's probably my wife. She borrowed the truck, or maybe... I, I think what happened was that Diet probably Diet used my truck without knowing it because she has a heavy foot. But anyway, there was the source of the smell, easy to see. But I love you, Diet. Uh, I will get it tomorrow in the office. But anyway, I miss the obvious. And when it comes to seeing God in, in our everyday lives, we pretty much do the same thing. We, we rush through our day, and at the end of the day, we crawl into bed exhausted and and rarely ever take time to think and meditate and pray and identify how God was walking beside us through everything that happened. So this morning, 
And I really want God's help. I need God's help. I want to lead us on a journey to better recognize God in our everyday lives. And this lesson will take us to a wonderful story that took place right after the resurrection. Luke chapter 24. We'll pick up up our reading with verse 13. Now that same day... What same day? Well, the same day that Christ was risen. What day was that? Sunday. That same day, two of them, and, and these are two followers of Jesus. One guy's name we'll find out in a minute is Cleopas. The other guy, we don't know his name. Same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Now, when it says that they were talking about everything that had happened, at first blush, it almost sounds like that maybe they were just kind of shooting the breeze and, you know, talking about current events like, man, you know, the, the fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral was absolutely horrible or, or, or maybe having a conversation like, you know, it looks like the Kansas City Royals are well on their way to another losing season or, or wonder if Patrick Mahomes, you know, uh, wonder if he can duplicate the magic of last year for the Kansas City Chiefs or, or, hey, hey, this is mushroom season and how many have you found so far this year? And, you know, have you brought your tithe to the church to give to Pastor Joe or, or whatever? Just a hint. And by the way, you know what? We, we believe in tithing here. And so if you got a hundred mushrooms, you need to bring ten to the church and, and I'll make sure that God gets them for you. But, but I want us to understand that as, as these two men were walking down that road, that, that was not the type of conversation they were having. Rather, it was a, it was a heart-wrenching, or, or here in Cedar County, we would say a gut-wrenching conversation regarding some tragic events that had taken place. You see, for centuries, there had been prophecies that one day God would send the Messiah, and, and these two men having this conversation, and their parents, and their grandparents, and their great-grandparents, and their great-great-grandparents. In fact, pretty much all of the Jewish people for centuries had been praying, and hoping, and trusting, and dreaming that Messiah would show up. And it finally appeared that he had. A young man by the name of Jesus, of Nazareth, had pretty much taken Israel by storm. And he was... Unlike anyone that ever seen, he was able to do miracles such as the one that many people today would like to be able to perform, such as turn water into wine. And then he gave out 20-20 vision to those who were visually impaired, and, and he gave hearing to those who were hearing impaired. He caused flat-lined hearts to reboot. He was able to defy the laws of nature and walk on water. And, and with a simple word, and this is interesting, the winds and the waves obeyed him. In fact, they obeyed him better than most of our kids obeyed us. And and for you cooks out there, this man could literally, in a matter of moments, in the middle of the desert, without a stove, without a kitchen, he could throw together a meal that would feed thousands and thousands of people. This Jesus was absolutely amazing. And so these two men, after seeing Jesus in action, they had gradually gone from wondering, is he the Messiah? Two, well, we we do think he is the Messiah. Two, yes, there's no doubt he is the Messiah. And they had put their full trust in Jesus. 
But the conversation that day on the road to Emmaus was centered on the fact that three days ago their dreams had been shattered as they watched this man whom they thought was the Messiah. They watched him be crucified on a cruel cross. Some of you today, you may be in a season like that right now. You had high expectations. You had high expectations for your marriage and you were giddy with excitement on your wedding days. You made a promise to love and to cherish until death do you part. But the parting came before the death and the divorce was ugly. And you sat alone in an empty house thinking this isn't the way it was supposed to turn out. Or maybe you didn't lose your spouse to divorce, but you lost them to cancer or to an accident, to an early death. Or you had such high expectations for your children, but they started running with the wrong crowd and and they got into drugs and alcohol. And you look back and see pictures of your little innocent babies that used to look into your eyes and just adore you. Now they have a hardened and a glazed look across their eyes. That was not what you envisioned for your children. Or perhaps you got your kids raised and and they gave you grandkids and you thought you were going to really be able to enjoy this stage in your life. But then one of your parents was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And you found yourself consumed with the care of a parent that no longer even recognized you. The high hopes, the expectations that you once had for life were dashed on the rocks of disappointment. And this is where these two men were. They, they were thinking, you know, we put all of our eggs into this basket of, uh, of this so-called Messiah. And we left everything to follow him. And, uh, and now besides being the laughing stock of the country for being so gullible, we've wasted three prime years of our lives following this guy that is now dead. Let's keep on reading verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, why were they kept from recognizing Jesus? And I can't answer that question. Obviously, God was wanting to teach them some kind of lesson. But but as these two men are talking, this apparent stranger jumps into the conversation. And in verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. Now, reading between the lines, I'm sure these two men were thinking, Mr. Where have you been? I I mean, don't you watch the news? Aren't you on Facebook? I I mean, don't uh, don't you follow Twitter? Have you been living in a cave? To which I guess Jesus could have technically said, well, yeah, the last three days I have. You know, I've been in a tomb. But but they said, are are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know the things that have happened? And and Jesus responded back, what things? Now, let me just stop here and say something. You know, if I were Jesus, I don't think I would have responded back with a low key. Hmm, what things are you talking about? And the reason I say that is because most of us as human beings, we want people to know all about our aches and pains, don't we? Yeah, just nod your head this way. 
Oh, oh, you've been through that? Well, I I can one-up you. I've not only been through that, but it was ten times worse. You know, that's why on a Sunday morning, and you know, have you noticed that many of our conversations are focused on, well, I had a tough night. Man, I didn't sleep well. I've got a headache. My back hurts. You know, as we oldies say, Arthur's acting up. You know, my arthritis is acting up. Or, or, or here are a couple of common ones. Uh, someone asks, well, how are you? Well, I'm here. Well, of course you're here. Or, or how about this one? Um, how are you? Oh, I'm tired. Or the Cedar County pronunciation is, I'm tarred. You know, I, I would be curious to know how many of us here today answered the how are you question with, well, I'm tired. I'm okay, but I'm really tired. And we're supposed to bear one another's burdens, uh, but, but some of us probably like to talk too much about our aches and pains instead of, as the Bible says, encouraging one another. But, but anyway, if I would have been Jesus or, or if you would have been Jesus, we probably would have tried to milk the suffering part. We would have said, well, remember I told you that I was going to die and, you know, I was going to suffer a lot and boy, did I ever suffer. And after Judas threw me under the bus and I was arrested and they beat me and pushed that crown of thorns on my head. And, and I know you guys didn't see this because you ran off like a bunch of scaredy cats, but they whipped me until you couldn't recognize me and you can't imagine the excruciating pain that I went through. And then they drove the nails through my wrists and through my feet and, and it hurt so badly and I cried out. And then what broke my heart the most was that even God, my father, he turned his back on me. Have you ever thought about that? Because a holy God couldn't look on the sin of the world that, that Jesus was carrying. But maybe, you know, we just said, well, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that was pretty much the last straw because soon after, maybe, you know, we just said, I breathe my last breath, but that's not all. And, you know, when everyone walked away and said, well, he's dead and bless his heart and he's in a better place. You know, Jesus really wasn't. I, I didn't, this just settled into my heart this past week. You know how when, when somebody dies, we say, well, bless their heart. They're in a better place. They're not suffering. And, and so whenever Jesus died, maybe some people were saying, well, at least he's not suffering anymore. But that wasn't so because part of the plan of salvation was that he had to descend into hell. And so after Jesus died and people thought that he was no longer suffering, that's when his suffering really began. And he was in hell three days and nights and the, the, the searing heat and... You can't even comprehend how horrible hell is, but, you know, thankfully after three days, Jesus kicked the devil's tail and he no longer holds the keys to death and hell. And, and, uh, and so Satan may make a lot of noise. He may bark, but he has no bite because when Jesus came back from the dead, he kicked his teeth out. Amen. And, and so anyway, There on that trail, probably on the road to Emmaus, we would have been saying, oh, you know, I I went through all of this. And But that's not what Jesus did. When, When these two men walking said, are you not aware of the things that just took place? Jesus kept quiet about his pain and and suffering and and simply said, uh, what things? What things are you talking about? And they said in verse 19 about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And 
And still not recognizing Jesus, they continued and told him more of what had happened in verse 20. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to die. And, and they crucified him. And, and, and look at this next phrase. But we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Do you see the shattered dreams? But we had hoped. Some of you may be in a season of, but we had hoped. You'd hoped to find a career. Instead, all you found was a job that you can't stand. You had hoped. You'd hoped to be celebrating your 25th wedding anniversary and going on a cruise together, but instead you're in the middle of a divorce. Fighting over who gets the recliner and who gets to keep the dog. You had hoped. Or you hope to be enjoying retirement and enjoying your grandkids, but you're in a full-blown battle with cancer. You had hoped. And that's where these two men were. They had hoped. Well, the story continues in verse 22. It says, in addition, and by the way, men, look up here. You might ought to memorize this next phrase and say it to your wife once in a while, okay? In addition, some of our women amazed us. Man, I thought I'd hear more than one amen there. Some of our women amazed us. Men, that's still pretty weak, but uh, they might get you by today. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said and, and listened to this phrase, but him they did not see. Have you ever noticed that while we're going through tough times, through tragedy, through conflict, through financial problems, through sickness, have you noticed that initially it's tough to see God? But I found that down the road, sometimes it takes a few days, sometimes a few months, sometimes even a few years, you can look back in the rearview mirror and, and see that during that tough time, God was there the whole time. You just didn't see him before. And then here's, here's the cool part of the account. And, and let, let me give you the setting again. After Cleopas and his friend tell the condensed version of what had happened during Passion Week, Jesus decides to start teaching them beginning with Moses and the prophets. And he ties all the prophecies together with Jesus, Jesus being crucified. And, and, and so after these men had walked around seven miles, so would that be out close to Cedar Springs? They walked with this man nearly seven miles they didn't recognize him. About evening time, they came to the village of Emmaus. And Jesus kind of acted like he was going to keep on going. But the two men said, no, it's evening. Come stay with us. And so he did. And they got to the house where they were staying. They gathered around the table. And in verse 30, says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, did you recognize that phrase, took bread? broke it, gave it to them. Which leads us to the key verse of the entire account, verse 31, says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They'd walked together with Jesus probably close to seven miles and, and hadn't recognized him. But, but verse 32 said that, you know, the whole time they knew something was different about this man because it said that their hearts were burning within them and, and all of a sudden their eyes were opened to the fact that this stranger 
was Jesus the Messiah? Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I just kind of imagine what it might have been like when their eyes were open. Perhaps Jesus picked up the bread and gave thanks. And as he broke the bread, I wonder if all of a sudden they didn't have a flashback to the cross where they remembered his body that was broken. And I also wonder if their minds didn't flash back and see the blood dripping off of his feet and forming a pool at the foot of the cross. But regardless of how it happened, they recognized Jesus. And I believe at that very moment, their spiritual eyes were opened and they began to understand. They began to understand why Jesus had died. They began to understand that the death of Jesus was on purpose. It was not out of weakness, but ladies and gentlemen, it was out of strength. It was not because the Jews or the Romans... But it was because all have sinned and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And those two men, Cleopas and the other unnamed man, finally saw Jesus. I pray that today will be the day that some of you begin to clearly see Jesus. I pray that those tough times that you're going through, you know those tough times in your marriage? Those tough times with your kids, those tough times on the job, those tough times because of cancer, I pray that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes and that you will see Jesus. I think how God has been with me. He was with me when I was still in my mother's womb and He was with me when they tell me that the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck and was gradually choking the life out of me there in a third world country where nothing could be done. But he was there with me and he spared my life. He was there with me again in child in that country, third world country, when I came down with tuberculosis and hepatitis and typhoid. He was with me as I had charted my future plans going into the medical field and I had started down the road to become a doctor and only to be led by him into the ministry. He was with me as I watched my mom waste away for four years due to the terrible disease of Alzheimer's. And I'll admit that I didn't always see him during that time, but Looking back, I realized that he was there every step of the way. Rick and your family, he was there with you during the long battle that Kathy had with cancer. And by the way, she didn't lose her battle with cancer. She won. But you temporarily lost her from your lives until you meet again. Pastor Ken, he was with you when just a few weeks ago you told your beloved wife of 65 years, you told her goodbye. And I may get in trouble for saying this, but Gene, he's with you. This past Wednesday is...
your world was rocked and found out that you have cancer. He's with you. He's been with many others of you as as you strayed far from God, but he kept pursuing you. And and now you're off drugs. You're free from the power of pornography. You've given up other habits and addictions. He's been with you. But here is reality. I, I believe there are some here today that even though Jesus has been walking beside you the whole time, you haven't recognized him. You might have heard the story of Jesus. You've been to a lot of Easter services. You know, for our drama presentation, one thing that I'm trying to bring out during the moment of focus right before the end of the drama is that some of us, we've become seasonal Christians. You know, around Easter time and Christmas time, we kind of get fired up for Jesus, but then summertime comes in and we kind of fade away. You know, we get, we, we, we get busy. But I believe that there are, you know, some people that they know the story, but they haven't truly seen Jesus. There is one of the most sobering verses in God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Satan, the God of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. And, and so I, I, I believe that potentially, you know, whether you're here or listening to the live stream or, or listening on the radio, there, that there are some that have yet to have their eyes open to see Jesus. They, that they haven't been able to see them walking with them through the conflict in their family. They haven't been able to see Jesus in the loss of their job or when they lost their marriage or when they lost their spouse. They didn't see him when someone spread false rumors about them. But let me tell you again, he is there. Can I say it again? He is there. He's there. And so this morning is a message of hope. Regardless of what you're going through, He is there. Matt, He is there for you, buddy. And if you have failed to see Jesus, would you just open your eyes? You've been walking those seven miles seven years or 70 years and you fail to understand who Jesus is he is the savior of the world that loves you so much that he gave his life on the cross so that you could be redeemed and and he died and he entered the tomb descended into hell but on the third day he was victorious not only over the tomb but he was victorious over hell over Satan And so that's the message of hope today. As we wrap things up, I want to just give you an opportunity to maybe ask Jesus to open your eyes. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I pray that in these closing moments that you would do something that I can't do. Lord, no human person can do it, but Lord, you can do it. And I pray that you would begin to open eyes that maybe have been blinded. Father, I pray that today there would be something just supernatural take place, that the scales would fall off of our eyes. And 
and we would begin to see Jesus high and lifted up and glorified and see him not only as just a good prophet, but he is the son of God. He is the savior of the world and he's our coming king. And so, Lord, I just pray that this morning you would just open our eyes so that we could see Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. For it's in the wonderful name of Jesus that we ask these things. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.